welcome to the Jimmy Podcast, or as I like to call it, the Jerkin' Jimmy Podcast, where three friends just fuck around, shoot the shit, see what happens. Join us as we watch the world burn. Now it's on. And we are live. <laughs> yeah, it actually sounds pretty good through my ears. So... What's up? This is our technically our going to be our first podcast together, right? Yes. You didn't even introduce who I am. We're we're going. We're going. Jesus. <laughs> okay. See, this is very different format. My friends, we we don't really formally introduce ourselves. We let the podcast introduce ourselves. Okay. Oh, and give me a second while I fix that. Okay, and we're back. That is weird. Uh, I'll describe it so people know what's going on. No, um, so I had to turn off the dishwasher. That shit was making noise. So I'm here with my fiance, and we don't have to name her, but she will remain anonymous. But she is my life partner. Um, Almost. Almost. Yeah, true. Almost. Oh, see, you, you don't have to give all that information. <laughs> Let me actually keep timestamps to make sure I can delete the errors we make. Okay. Okay, so this is just to write down, like, when mistakes are made. Okay. So, let me make sure I have a good time. For this we moved location so we're not facing the computer where Jimmy usually sits we're sitting at the breakfast table which is about maybe five feet away from the computer okay uh, we're good so so okay um is there anything you want to say about yourself before we get started like or you, you just want to get into it? Yeah, let's get into it. Let's get into it. What do you, so, what do you want to talk about today? I don't really push any conversation. I just let other people decide whatever they want to talk about. So, what do you want to talk about today? Nothing? You just have no ideas? Well, some of the topics that I talked about before. Are we starting any with? topic you want. You remember them. Yeah. You mentioned them five. Within okay, we talked about abortion. What was the other topic? Abortion. Uh, I think the other one you didn't want to really talk about was welfare. I don't want to talk about welfare. Okay. What was the other topic? I mentioned another one. Oh, oh work. Work, stress yes. Stress at work. Work, stress. So that's pretty much like a maybe some kind of life balance there. Trying to get that going. Okay, what do you want to talk about first? Go ahead and talk about work stress first. Okay, safe topic, safe topic. Okay, so work stress and life balance. I'm I'm pretty sure you had something in mind when you. They they can't hear that on the microphone, so it's okay. Um, I just took a shit in my pants. That's what happened. Yeah. So what do you want to talk about? You know, has anything been? Has there been anything recently that's kind of been stressing you a lot? Without naming names, obviously, but yeah. yeah of course. Um, 
I think their work life or depending on the environment at work, it's always a stressful event for people. Mm-hmm. Depending on who you work with, who you work for. Yeah. Um, a big stressor can come from your boss, right? Yeah, I mean, what type of you, person you just brought up is. a bunch of thought process. For me, I when, when you say all this, I remember when I had to make a choice. You know, when I first joined the grad program, and you have to make that choice of what lab to join. Mm-hmm. A lot of people said, um, oh, just, you know, pick the, one, the, the, the lab with the best research or something like that. But like you said, the boss that you have, the people that you work with, I feel like all those are variables that intertwine with your life in terms of uh, some kind of balance between work and, you know, just normal day-to-day activities. So mm-hmm. when you say, um, you know, boss and people you work with, I immediately think, when did I have to make that choice? And I think when I first joined the grad program, I had to make that choice, right? Well, all everyone who joins a grad program makes that choice. Yeah. Who are you going to work yeah. with? Are you, it's like, okay, this lab might have really good research, but the people that work there might be... Really crappy people. Yeah, I mean, they might just be contradictory in terms of opinion. Like, they might just think totally different about things than you do. But then you might join a lab where everyone's really nice to you, but the research is really bad. In terms of, if I was to break it up into groups, I think it's usually two groups. The research is really good, but the people aren't so good. Or the research is really bad, but the people are really, really nice. That's usually how I... I mean, I know it's really general. You can go more specific, but... Like, in your job, do you... You... You kind of had a choice, right? You were on the job market for a little bit, looking for jobs. And you had a choice between what, what jobs to take, essentially. Mm-hmm. And you chose the lab that you work at now right and do you think your boss or people you work with do you think any of them make it a less ideal job no i think my boss right now is amazing and the people that i work with are pretty awesome as well Mm -hmm. in comparison to what i was doing the last time so you got like a better boss this time right better boss more understanding person Mm mm-hmm um, still, stress well, what, what is What were the trade-offs? Yeah. What, did, were there any trade-offs? It was like, oh, no, I won on all counts, right? I got a, I got a new job. The boss is awesome. Or were there some trade-offs? No, I don't think there were any trade-offs. So you're saying, like, everything's positive. Like, from everything where you were before to now, everything's positive. Yeah, everything right now, okay. my current job, So you would say positive. work stress went down? Then? Yeah, work stress went down. Um, not saying I'm not stressed, but I am stressed okay. because I do want to meet deadlines. I do want to do the best that I can in mm-hmm. what I am doing. Okay. So stress is still there, but... So is stress unavoidable? Yeah, stress is unavoidable, I think, okay. for everyone, everywhere, anywhere, honestly. Okay. Um, just depends, um, if you like your job. Yeah, sometimes we... Sometimes we'll deal with a lot more stress than we have to because there is something about that job that kind of makes it, I don't know, appeal to us. There's an appeal to that job and we'll deal with any stress that comes along with it. We should probably state that um, 
my previous job, I was a grad student, right? I joined a grad mm -hmm. program, sure. a graduate program to obtain a PhD. Mm -hmm. And I ended up graduating with a master's. Okay. My It was my choice to graduate with a master's. I mm -hmm. was not happy in the where I was working. Mm -hmm. I was not happy with my boss, my old boss. So, like, can and, you be more specific in terms of um, what were the... What do you think, at the end of the day, when you look back, what do you think was maybe the, the top three reasons why you left that program? The re top three reasons why I left the program was because I was unhappy. That's one. One. Two, the boss. Three, the people that I was working with. Not all the people, maybe some of the people. Some of the people, not all people. Okay, so like it was essentially like, man, I hate my boss. I hate the people I work with. Why and at the end of the day, I'm, unha I'm unhappy and there's no appeal to this anymore. Yeah, exactly. So, wow. It must, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, when you look back, it sounds like it should have been an easy decision. But it was actually not an easy decision, right? It took a long time to make. It was not an easy decision because in my mind, I came into this program and I came in to graduate. With yeah, you PhD. had a goal, right? I had yeah. a goal. And so to not meet my goal was just devastating. So it was a very difficult decision. So you put aspect. up with like you put up with the worst of the worst, right? You put yeah. up with everything that would normally make someone quit. Yeah, yeah, of course. But you put up with it because you had a goal. And but at some point that goal no longer appealed to you, right? You're like, well, man, that goal realized, just doesn't seem to be worth it. Yeah, I realized that my happiness is more important at this at some point. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, the way I feel, my health was much more important. Spending time with the people I care about was much more important. Mm -hmm. PhD, yeah, lost its appeal. Yeah. So point. now you're, you have a new job. And now I have the a new The stress job. is still there to some extent, but you have a better, you have a better boss. I have a better boss, better pay. Better pay, yeah, you got pay. Uh, just in general, like what, 10K more a year? Without 8K. giving eight K, okay, so not huge, but that's not a pretty huge, but good, much right? Much better improvement, and I have in this job. It's you know, as a person, I'm more respected as a person. I'm not cool. treated as an item. I'm treated as a person. I have do you a think position. That, just to back up, do you think that the title of student, no matter where it is, doesn't matter if you're grad student, undergrad, does the title of student change the way a boss might look at you i think it really might i think it, it depends on the person at least on in your the boss, experience but in my experience yes so just because you were a student yes, you were treated you're very differently treated less yeah. like you're less and just to back up to like maybe add more flavor to that when you worked at your old job in well when you're trying to get a phd right you knew people that worked in your lab that were not students were those students treated better? I mean, sorry. <laughs> you, in your old job, uh, did you know anyone that was not a student but was treated better, like a non-student, some kind of... Not always. Not always. Yeah, not always. So maybe you had some kind of manager, lab manager, or something like that. Mm -hmm. They weren't necessarily treated better. Or postdoc. Or Well, how, how do I say this? I, because, okay, here's a better question. Do you think if going down an academia route immediately like changes the way people treat you yes i think yes. it's academia depending on your position are you a student are you a postdoc are you a professor do you think if 
you took away that title of academia and you went straight into like, oh, this person is now an assistant researcher or a scientist. Like in the industry, you might give a position of assistant scientist or scientist. Do you think if, in your experience, do you think those people immediately get treated better than like a grad student or a postdoc? I don't want to say yes or no because it... But in your experience? In my experience, yes. In my experience, I'm... It's okay. been much better. People just Isn't that weird? Now... Isn't it weird that academia treats well, I just its students and postdocs like that? Maybe it's not even academia. I just really think it depends on on your boss and the way okay, he, okay. he or she is. Because you had a previous experience. I think it's really worth noting. You have right now. You have two master de- two master degrees. Yeah. Right. right. Uh, they're both in biology. Right. Uh, the first one, in general, how would you describe that experience? Oh, amazing. He was an amazing boss. I loved it. I did not want to leave Mm -hmm. that program. Yeah. But I mean, of course, you always have to move on. So I really think it's not just, it's not academia. It really depends on the person that you're working for. Because when I was doing my first master's. That's a pretty big, so like, for example, sorry to interrupt, but I just want to put this out there. Like, not everyone, you don't always get a choice of who your boss is. That's an interesting, you know, kind of conundrum. Like, you might pick a job because it pays well, and the people you're working with are nice. But if your boss is like one of the bosses you had, just a, almost like devalues you or puts no value in you. Doesn't really care about you. Yeah. Only cares Then it doesn't about matter. Like, the job immediately becomes garbage. Yeah. It's a garbage job, and it, it just takes away from a happy life. So it's, it's just strange that there's people out there in positions of power that dictate so much of what their employees feel on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. But yeah, before you were going to say when you got your first master's. Yeah, when I when I was working for my first master's, the um, PI that I was working for, the, my boss, he was amazing. He um, was understanding. Yeah. He was kind. And he, I could easily walk into his office and have a conversation with him without a problem, without any hesitation. When I was working on the next degree, you know, that boss was a little more, I don't know, difficult to approach. Okay. Do you think, why, why do you think that is? Like, if you were to not, not to get personal, but why do you think that that second boss might have been that way what drove that individual to be that way do you think it was the highly competitive environment i really don't know why why she okay. was very so well not she he she he was very different i really don't know why this person was much more different um but yeah, Maybe I mean, just their own experiences, I suppose. Well, that's what I always wondered. I always wonder that, say you are uh, an undergrad, right? Undergrad student. You work really hard. You're really happy. You want to do this research. You go join a grad program. In that, prog- in that grad program, which again is highly competitive, the, your boss is a horrible person to you. Mm-hmm. Is that cyclic? Do you now become a PhD a candidate who then develops those same personality traits, and then when you become a PI eventually, are you also going to be a shithead? Like, I wonder if that's like, 
It's almost like a... If it repeats itself? It's repetitive, like, yeah. And I don't know, because I would think that if you come from a lab where you have, you still have a, a choice. Boss, you still have a choice, obviously. Yeah, right? you have a choice to be to make other people feel the way you felt, or, or you could be different. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, I mean, you're right. I think everyone, I don't know if it's conscious, but everyone makes that decision. I'm going to repeat what came before. Or I'm going to be different yeah. than what came before. I don't even know if it's something they think about. If it's like, in a, like it's a decision they make passively. Because I think, again, like a lot of who we are. Sometimes when we, for example, we grow up in a, a specific type of family. We tend to con- be continuous with what came before. Like... Um, Traditionally, you could say that this is basic concept. If your family members were, say, they owned a family business, you might be more likely to work for that family business or start a business of your own. Right. But that's only because that person knows all the skills needed to do that, and they pass those skills on to you. So that's a very continuous, mm-hmm. right? I'm just wondering if that's just human nature human nature is to like oh we gain skills from specific people that know more than us and those skills and and traits and characteristics we kind of continue in our lives and maybe not consciously maybe just like as a maybe we think that's the only way yeah maybe that that's even if it's wrong we might still think like well this is how they did it to be some successful so now this is how i'm gonna do it to be successful meanwhile they have no idea that the way they're doing things is imparting all this negative feedback mm-hmm. to their employees essentially and you can call them students but a grad student it's a gray area and you can call them whatever you want to call them but there's still people that are working really hard for you i think that people everyone degree or no degree phd md masters still people should be are equal to someone who doesn't have a degree, are equal to someone who didn't graduate from high school or who maybe has a high school diploma. So you, I think okay, everyone so. is equal. So I think that no one has the right to treat any or mistreat other people. So you, you so I, I want to be more specific. Like, at a, so you're talking more like um, in terms of human beings, all human beings should be treated yeah, equally. Yeah, all human beings are the same. Do you think... Well, you know, that's a controversial opinion. I can tell you that right now because a lot of people will go um, from, like, a base human level. Like, everyone should have human rights. We, we, we do believe in human rights. But, like, some people will say, well, no, some people need to earn – like, you hear this a lot, that you need to earn my respect. Those are shit people. <laughs> so, yeah, those people exist. And there's a lot – you know, I think there's a lot of those people. Um they or well think of it this way this is i think this is a cool idea that we can talk about do you just trust everyone you you meet for the first time no you don't trust everyone you meet for the first time but you do respect them you respect them always so that's an interesting topic right because i think those two are are linked in some way because you might not trust every single human being you see on the block Mm -hmm. but you might treat them you know, you're well-mannered. You're going to yeah, treat yeah, them yeah. with respect. Of course. Um, I guess there's a... 
there's almost in academia, from my experience, there's this idea of I'm going to treat you really nice. But there's this hypersensitivity to the actions of their employees. So if I'm a boss and I'm in academia and I'm going to treat my students out of the gate, I treat them very well, right? I'm Mm well-mannered. But the moment you make a mistake, it triggers this, like, almost this insecurity of, um, from your boss's perspective of, oh, man, they're taking advantage of me. And it's a very strange, because I've, I've seen it happen between in multiple multiple bosses, where they think it's, oh, you're taking advantage of me, you're using up all my resources, this is my money, this is my lab, you know, I pay for all this. They have this ownership, and they feel like you're just renting out the space. Yeah, You're is... just a temporary person using my things. Which is ridiculous because it's not their things. It's not their lab. They rent out the lab space too. Yeah, it's there's a lot of it's a they're funded. There's a lot of rent. owners. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the government's no, giving them money. Yeah, they're giving money to do research. So but it's not. It's their interesting. Research. We don't have a we don't have a boss talking for us here. But you know, I'm sure they would immediately go. But I wrote the grant for that money. You wouldn't have the money without that grant. I mean. But there wouldn't be no grant without the research that the students sure. are doing. Yeah, it's yeah. You know, from from our eyes, it's very easy to see. It's a two way street. Yes, we give is. you some things, you give us some things. This is a, I mean, we depend on each other. You know, mm-hmm. we're we're not parasites. I guess that's an interesting concept. Why are we almost treated like we're parasites? It's like we're not parasites. This is a we're co. What's the bi- the biological term for this? It's a mu- symbiotic, symbiotic relationship, relationship, right? A mutualistic relationship. M- mutualistic relationship. And why isn't it seen more like that? You know, recently, though, I want to give some credit to certain people. There has been some... I have recently seen there was at least some acknowledgement of, oh, my students are, were, did really, really great at a recent conference. I saw that. Oh, I need to take that off. 2002. Um, but recently I did see a professor acknowledge their students and say, these students did a great job. I just don't think I ever hear that or see that. I think mm-hmm. there's not enough acknowledgement from these bosses and they don't acknowledge that it's mutualistic very often, if ever they, and if they take the, sometimes I almost feel like they do take that. Oh, the, the route of you're a parasitic. Like, you're just using up all my resources. Mm-hmm. You're a waste of space. And if they don't like you, they will force you to, to leave the lab, right? With um, or without degree. Yeah, they, at the end of the day, you know, they even directly to my face, you know, said, you know, I don't care about what you do. This is your project. This is you use the resources correctly to, to push your po- project forward. I don't care about your project. I don't really care about you, to be honest. And it's just very, like... Um, you know, everyone's for themselves. Everyone's looking out for themselves. They don't give a shit about anyone but themselves kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, okay, so like your current job, do you think it's more mutualistic? Or is there still that edge of like, oh, you're using my shit, you know, and the first the first moment you make a mistake, it's over for you. I think it's it's mutualistic. More mutualistic. In comparison to what I've the old one. seen. 
experienced. Mm-hmm. So where's this? So you said that the stress definitely went down at this new job, mm-hmm. right? But the stress is still there. What do you think the stress? Can you be more specific? Where is the stress coming from? Well, is I it responsibility? Think, yes, the stress comes from me. The stress comes from me in that I know I want to do a great job. Mm-hmm. Anything that I do, I want it to be great. Because I am getting paid to do something, so mm. it is my responsibility. So if it's it's self imposed it self imposed stress, and the goal here is just to be the best that you can be, so right. that. And what do you think drives you to do that? Like, is that just born? Were you just born with that, or was there something that drove you? No, I th- I was. That's the way I am. That's the way you are. Yeah. When I'm given a task, <laughs> I was given a superpower. When I'm given a task, I'll always do my best. Yeah. That's because great. That's especially if it's something that I choose, if it's a task that I take upon myself, why would I just not half ass it? Yeah. yeah, you're not a half asser. You're like a no. I'm you not kick a ass. Half-asser. You kick ass. Yeah, I'm awesome. Just not at home. At home, you're like turned into a lazy bum. On the weekends, yeah, I'm allowed oh. to rest and sleep and sleep. Veg out. But do you think the do you think it's healthy? This self-imposed stress so, yeah of course it's an, it's it, to a certain amount. extent it's it's a healthy it's healthy to self to impose stress on yourself because it's how people succeed i think mm. if no one imposed stress on themselves we probably wouldn't have all the cool technology cool no, stuff yeah, we yeah. have right now yeah i think there's always I that i think that drives yeah. success that yeah there's that question like when is this stress um when is this stress too much when is this because, you know, when I joined the program, and my goal was to get that PhD. Because, you know, I really wanted that. I really wanted to have my own lab. I really wanted to guide a group of people and be like, this is, you know, this is my group of people. And we're doing such good work, right? I want it to be this really cool team effort. Right. And I think I imposed quite a bit of stress on myself, but an, un- an unhealthy amount. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people that impose an unhealthy amount of stress to the point where they kill themselves. Okay, well, damn, that's... Well, there you have, went dark. There have been people in one, PhD programs... One in that ours. One is too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kill themselves. I agree. I'm just saying, like, I never wanted to do that to myself. Or there are, you know, people impose stress on themselves, or uh, the boss imposes stress on them. Which maybe that leads happens, to hair yeah. loss, which maybe leads to depression, which maybe leads to not wanting to interact with people. Sure, sure. Yeah, for me, the one definite, the definite thing I saw, and it was pretty quick. And this is kind of you know funny, you know, like was the the white hair on my head. Yeah, sure. You have a that lot was, of white hair. That was um, <clears throat> that was really shocking. I think within my first year. I had white hair, like I was getting white hair, and the first year I joined well, I was 23, 2013, I was maybe like 23 or 24, yeah. and it's really young to get white hair, and I was like, it was crazy, and that's how much stress, I had so much stress on myself. Well, I think each person responds differently to stress. Yeah. It was just, it's just, it's pretty shocking what a stress life can like do to you physically i also gained weight i gained weight Uh, my hair definitely got white (laughs) um i don't know if i can reverse any of those effects either 
I don't think so. The weight, yes. The hair, no. Unless yeah, the hair's the hair's done, right? I mean, you look sexy with white hair. That yeah, you're weird though. You're weird. you're weird. You're weird. You're sexy. But it's it's strange. Like, I think. Can we talk more about life balance though? Mm-hmm. Okay, so. You do have some stress in your life. How do you think, or what do you think, are the best ways to counter that stress? Because it's self-impo- self-imposed stress because you want to be the best that you can be. And so you don't want to get rid of that. But does it ever get too much and how do you deal with that, you know? Well, yeah, of course. Um, I like to go to the gym. I like to exercise. Okay. I relax when I'm exercising. I don't think about anything except my goal, which is to try and be healthy, mm-hmm. fit. So I don't think about work. Once I leave work, I don't think about work anymore. Okay, work, so you turn that work part of your brain off. Work is not in my mind. What I'm doing at work is not in my mind anymore. I, you know, that makes me think. And you have to do that. I think everyone has well, to do that. This is what I was going to say. What if I said, what if I posed the question, are there jobs in this world where that's not an option? Are there jobs where when you go home, it's still going? You still, like, say you're running a business. Does your brain keep going like when you go home? Um, Say you're in a powerful position where you make the decision between investments. Say um, you are a biological advisor of sorts and the company goes, hey, we want to throw $5 million at something. Which company should we throw it at? Which company should we acquire? And these people are in positions of power. You know, I sometimes ask myself, those people make lots of money. You know, they're rich people, but do they go home and does it turn off? Does it ever shut off or does it just keep running? I think people don't shut that off, you know, keep thinking about work outside of work because they want to. They kind of want that lifestyle. Yeah, maybe it's the only lifestyle that they know. Maybe it's the only way that they enjoy life. I think my dad was that like that. Yeah. You know, just I think probably a lot of successful people are like yeah, that. Um, a lot of successful maybe people, maybe non-successful people too. Yeah, but I I feel like there are people who think the moment I take a break, that's when the next guy over over to my left and my right is gonna take the mantle. You know, like it's it's almost like if you were an athlete, say you play basketball, that's your thing. You play basketball, and you decide, hey, I'm gonna take this weekend off. But your competition doesn't. Right. I think there's a fear. A fear of, not a fear of missing out, but a fear of falling behind. A fear of mm-hmm. of, of weakness in, in a moment of bliss, you know? And I... Th- I think that's unhealthy. It for, is, yeah. For the mind, for your body. For sure. But the, here's the thing. What if I said this? And this is an interesting question. I'm not going to say who posed this to me. Do you, would you equate getting a PhD with – okay, what's your favorite sport? Basketball. Basketball. Would you equate getting a PhD to being signed to an NBA team? And they say you have seven years on this NBA team. You're going to be a full-blown professional basketball basketball player. Do you think it's the same as being drafted to like a PhD program going, okay, for the next seven years you're going to be in the PhD program. You're going to have to get a PhD. Have you ever to yourself gone, or at least right now, this is a weird question, but would you say, yes, those are equivalent? Like, do you think it's the it's equivalent to joining a professional team? Like, 
at all. Do you think that? I don't know. I don't. I I can't say yes or no because I think that if you really like it, if you if you enjoy playing basketball and you're good at it, maybe it'll it's gonna be a blast for you seven years. But that's what I'm. But I'm maybe not, there I'm is stress. Of course, I'm not saying that. I'm saying like the almost like the the action of commitment, uh, a commitment to something for a specific, specific amount of time. And the other thing is not just commitment, but a full-blown obsession where it's like every second of the day, that is what you are. Well, like when, if you were to walk down the street and you're Steph Curry, everyone's going to go, that's Steph Curry. Like, uh-huh, you know, right. like they're not just a basketball player for a job. Right. They're a bas- basketball player for for life. You know, it's like mm-hmm. – and so – I someone once did the comparison for me. It's like, look, joining a research lab is like joining the NBA, joining the NFL. You have decided to become, you know, an expert up, up, uh, the highest level of expert there is. Like, if you're joining the NBA, you've decided I'm gonna be the best basketball player there is. Like, and so you have people like Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, um. Fucking a bunch Jordan. of people, right? Michael Jordan, the best basketball player, potentially, debatably, ever. So these people, I wouldn't be surprised if these people didn't take days off. I wouldn't be surprised if they went home and they thought, basketball, 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 basketball. They're always looking at different plays. They're always thinking about different techniques. Yes, they have to exercise. But their mind, they're always working their mind. How do I master this game? And when someone compared it, to that i was like oh man this is what a phd is your work you you have work right the work part when you go to work but then i think a lot of people expect you to go home and be mentally working all the time always thinking think 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 so you can get that phd and be that expert or read 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 think come up with questions come up with solutions read think right so i think in because of that say because of that thought process from all these people that have phds and are professors that's why the expectations are so high that's why sometimes they think of us as parasites it's not mutualistic at all and i think the goal is to find a job where the expectation isn't that like you found a job where he's like hey you're not an nba player you're just oh man you just admitted on on microphone but you know what i'm saying do you understand what i'm saying take a second here to like your your new boss doesn't expect NBA level basketball player. He just expects someone uh No, I think he I think every boss does. Every Oh, boss you, so you still think the expectations are the same? Yeah, I think when he's paying me, I think when someone hires you and they're going to pay you. But do you, but do you think here, here I guess the question is if you the bosses who are allowing these students to undergo the PhD program, right? These mm-hmm. these this huge group of people like a hundred professors or so, right? Deciding who's going to be in their PhD program. You think they think similarly to just any old boss working in industry? Do you think that it's very similar? Yeah, I think it is. Oh, okay. I think it is. Okay. I think no matter where you go. You think it doesn't matter. Any job. Yeah, any they expect NBA level. Any job you are expecting. See, I don't agree with that. That's in- Okay, when you come back, we'll talk more about that. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Nope, I'm not deleting shit. I'm going to sing some show tunes while you're gone. Okay, this podcast is brought to you by Jimmy's Ballsack. 
Yes, that's right. We don't have advertisers, and we probably never will, because fuck that shit. I would just say, you know, I'm thinking out loud. I think personally, and I'll probably repeat this with her. I just think expectations differ. Uh, When you join a PhD program, the expectations are so much higher than a normal job. Uh, You know, some professors expect 15 hours a day from you. And that's just, again, I do think that's a continuous cycle. It's traditional. What came before must continue kind of thing. And I just think, think that's always realistic. I think a person is not necessarily going to be successful or efficient um, or honest in situations where the stress levels have skyrocketed. I, I think a person starts becoming less human when you start imposing those stresses. How do, what do I mean? I mean... Can you trust this person anymore? Is this person so stressed out of their mind because they're, and they're just making shit up now? Um, their morals go out the window. Their ethics go out the window. They start slowly losing what makes them them. And why? Is it the lack of sleep? No, not necessarily. Um, but that definitely plays a part. I think it's just when you push someone to their very limits, some part of them breaks. Not all of them, always, but... Small pieces start breaking, and those small pieces, when they break, create a, a person that may not be trustworthy, um, may start making much more mistakes. They don't want to. It just starts happening. Um, I think it's very important that if you're a professional in a position of power, that you take into account the level of stress you impose on your employees, especially when you want them to be successful, when you want them to be efficient, because if they're efficient and they're successful, then you're efficient and you're successful. Um, You want that to be very parallel. You don't want to be sitting in a chair all day and making demands of individuals and not even having any idea what they're doing. Um, You need to be there for them. You need to be supportive. You need to at least take the time to acknowledge them. Um... But yeah, that's just my opinion. Acknowledgement is everything. Acknowledgement is the most powerful tool any human has to kind of go through life. Always acknowledge people. If they're struggling, acknowledge their struggle. If they're happy, acknowledge their happiness. Just acknowledge everything about them. She's back. I am back. Did you wipe your hand? I mean, did you clean your hands after wiping your ass? Need to know bases only. Need to know bases only. Okay, so I was just saying, you know, I disagree with you a little bit in that I think expectations differ quite a bit when you join a PhD program versus getting a job. I think they're going to be – here, let me put it this way. Every job is unique, and so every job has unique expectation. That's my But every job expects you to do your best at your job. That is true. Your best. But here's the thing. Your best doesn't mean 15 hours a day. It might not mean that. For some people, it might mean 15 hours. You know those people that just are really slow, inefficient? They might need 15 hours. I think you're overgeneralizing because not sure. all PhD programs are like that. Not all professors are I'm not like saying, that. I'm not even saying that. I'm saying like 
any job in the world varies in expectations. Mm-hmm. We can't say the expectations for every job in the world is NBA level. I don't think that's accurate. I think your expectations have to be based on the person you're looking at in front of you, right? You have to, I think the one thing is recognize what are the skill sets this person holds and how can I leverage that to be successful? I don't necessarily think it means it doesn't matter what job you work, you're working 15 hours. I mean, what? No, you can't. I was just, I think my opinion actually stems quite a bit from something I learned in grad school. And I don't necessarily always practice it, but I try to practice it. And it's, I'm going to make up uh, make up the title, The Art of Acknowledgement. And I don't know if you feel this way, but whenever I feel acknowledged, it doesn't matter. Like Acknowledge that I'm sad, acknowledge that I'm happy, acknowledge that I'm struggling, any kind of acknowledgement. Just saying, hey, Jimmy, I see you, and I see that you're struggling, and if I was in your position, I would also be struggling. That level of acknowledgement helps people feel like they're not alone, helps people feel like, oh, they this what i'm feeling is an abnormal for example let's do a happy example if you were super happy you would probably appreciate it if i was like hey man i noticed you're really happy you know if i was in your position i'd be really happy too that's that level of acknowledgement is great because what's it do it feeds off of your happiness and makes you even happier because you're like man i really am in a good place and i really am happy that this is happening the way it is mm-hmm. I think acknowledgement, no matter what it is, even in relationships, because I think I'd like to transition more into relationships, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but like right. even in a relationship, it's acknowledgement. If you can master that art of acknowledgement, then you'll never really have a really bad relationship because you always, you're always open to acknowledgement. So like if you're having a bad day and I, I do my minimum job of at least acknowledging, hey, you don't look so good. What happened? And then you tell me whatever happened. And then I tell you, hey, if I was in your position, I would feel the same way. Yeah. That level of acknowledgement makes someone feel like, again, they're not alone. And that they have someone at least to help them get through it. Yeah. I agree. Oh, you agree? Yeah. You want to add anything to that? No, I think it's important to acknowledge people, especially when, when they work hard. When someone works really hard, it's important to acknowledge and say, hey, good job. So you think yeah. it's especially important when you have students that are busting their ass, right? Not even students, well, employees. I, yep. I think everywhere. I think it's important everywhere. No, just, no yawning on the podcast. Not yeah. just in academia. It's everywhere. I think it's important. I agree. So what do you, what, what do you want the next topic to be? So we talked a little bit about work stress, life balance. What, what's the next step here? Let's talk about abortion. Okay. You brought this up. I didn't. You know, because I I want to just put it out there. I, I just like to ask people, like, hey, bring whatever topic you want to bring. And this is the first option you talked about. So I was pretty surprised. Well, I so think it it's... makes me feel like, um, let me put it out this way. It makes me feel like you have some potential things you've been holding back, maybe you've been feeling, but you kind of keep pushing them away. And now you see an opportunity to talk about them and you want to talk about them. Is that true? Yes. Okay, cool. Okay. But I just want to make it very clear that I didn't know this was happening in your head. So. Well, I mean, I think that... Let's start with saying I love you. 
Yes, I do love you. Oh, no. You're supposed to say it back. Okay. I just want to start the entire conversation by saying I love you and you say I love you. And, you know, we're starting from a position of very positive feelings. Yes. Okay. Continue. Continue. Go ahead. So I think uh, there's a lot of negativity um, going on right now in our country and around the world with abortion. There's a lot of people that are against abortion. Have you been hearing a lot about it recently? Oh, yeah, in the news, you read okay. a lot about, you know, oh, you think there's, there's going to be restrictions in, I think, was it Iowa or Idaho, where if a woman gets an abortion, she will be sent to jail. That's pretty Which is insane. next level. Yeah. Or there's also, you know, closing down of clinics uh, or, you know, minimizing the places where you can have an abortion. For the, I, I see where this conversation is going. Do you mind it if I do the devil advocate thing? Just so it's not an echo chamber? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. So I want to be very, very clear. I am totally women's rights all the way. I don't do what the fuck you want to do with your body. But I think the conversation can be more, at least more interesting if at least one of us tries to be like, oh, abortion's bad. Mm-hmm. I'm, I won't try too hard, though. But <laughs> I'm going to try a little bit, I guess. But yeah, go ahead. Well, what do you think about abortion? Okay. So here, here's the thing. Personally, I think a woman should be able to do whatever she wants with her body because it is her body. Now, what do I think people who don't believe in abortion feel? Again, this is totally derivative, right? I'm being devil's advocate. But I think that there's a way of life that a lot of people in the country have. And that way of life is in some ways stereotyped. And they believe in a very specific moral code. Um, and it doesn't matter where it stems from. I don't really give a shit where it stems from. I think it's more important to understand people have a very specific lifestyle. They have a specific moral code and they feel very, very specifically when it comes to abortion that you're taking this miracle of life, so to speak, and you're killing it. I mean, I think it comes to what they value. They, um, there's a word that I usually use perceived value. The perceived value of becoming pregnant for a woman in those groups of people, in those cult, in those culture groups, you could say, um, is is that when a woman becomes pregnant, the perceived value it, it, it there is no perceived it's the it's priceless the the getting pregnant itself itself is priceless to them. So it doesn't matter how it happened to them it's that baby or that infant to come is completely innocent from its past it's innocent from its parents and it's completely independent of the parents and that's why i think they're anti-abortion i think they're anti-abortion because they believe that this pregnancy is completely independent of everything that came before it they don't see an association whatsoever and the perceived value, it's priceless. While someone who does believe that women have rights, they don't look at it from that that lens. They look at it from none of this is independent. This is all connected. So how did the woman become pregnant? That's very important. There's a perceived value there. The value is very high. It matters how she got pregnant. Was she raped? Maybe she doesn't want to have the child. Um, was, she, was it out of love? Maybe she wants to keep the child. But what if next step? Okay. How did how was how did this occur to begin with? Okay. Then the next step is 
What about fi- financial uh, status? Some people perceive value of financial status is very, very high. I need to be financially stable. I talk to a lot of my friends who very much believe that. If I'm not financially stable and I can't provide for the child from my own pocket, then why would I ever have that child? So the perceived value is very high there. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it's none of it's independent of each other. Now, that's very it's a very important to recognize both sides. I think the one side that's anti-abortion, they see it as independent. That infant to come is completely independent from every problem you want to throw at us. And they, they think that because it's priceless, you know, it doesn't matter. We don't care. We don't care if you're raped by 100 men. We don't care if you don't have a, a dime or a penny. We don't give a shit. It doesn't matter what excuse you provide. They want you to have that child. So that's my understanding of what people feel right. about abortion. I think I ask why bring a child into this world? Why bring an unwanted child into this world? The people people will say, "Well, give it up for adoption." Mm-hmm. But then, well, but what, what is... if you don't want to do that? What I mean, I think that's important to at least say. Um... I think what is the purpose of giving it up for adoption? Putting a child in a home with other children and they have they become dependent on the government they become dependent on the taxes from the people that work so yeah it seems like you have a perceived value on hey i need if i'm having this child it's my child i'm not giving it up to adoption and you also have this idea like i also don't want to be dependent on anyone else yeah to provide for this child that is a very fascinating i want to just hit on one thing a lot of people in this country complain about taxes. A lot of people. A lot of people might even say, "Fuck welfare. I don't want to. I don't want my money going to welfare." Okay, we're not going to talk about welfare, but they'd say, "Hey, we don't. We don't want my money going to that." But at the same time, they're anti-abortion. So, what happens when you tell that story of, "Hey, we have a lot of unwanted pregnancies. You, they, it's not legal to abort when it's safe for these women." So now they have these children, but now they're all asking for money from the government. Well, you don't want that to happen either. Right. So to them, it's like they want society to function without welfare, but they also want society to function with just not a, you know, elite, like, how do I say? Uh, they don't want people to have abortions, but they also don't want people to have welfare. So it's a very, you can't, ha- it's almost like you can't have one without the other. If you want all these people to have unwanted pregnancies, how how are you going to pay for those? Like, it's, it is a – I know it's much more complicated than that. But to me, it's just interesting when you just said that because it brings up the t- that topic of like, wait a minute. Do you see that your opinion is actually also helping push against your other opinion? Like, they're not – so again, they're not independent they of each other. Contradict themselves. They, I think it's it is, and it, I'm not saying just them. Everyone contradicts themselves. Yeah, of course. But this is a contradicting opinion because, in not allowing for that abortion, you're contradicting your opinion of people shouldn't get yeah, welfare. I have a contradicting opinion too. I think women have the right to have an abortion, but I also think that the government is right in providing welfare to the people. I don't know if that's contradictory. Be, okay, yeah. I. I because in that case, they're no longer connected. Say, for example, so 
I what I'm saying is it's connected when you let them have the baby and then you make them dependent on welfare. Yeah, yeah. That's dire- that's a direct connection. But if you say, "Oh, I don't want them to have a baby, so they don't have the baby," then why the fuck are they on welfare? Like they're not connected to any like those, that specific opinion. But maybe. if they do have a child, I think that that is know, a contradiction it's of its okay own. Okay, to yeah. use welfare. Yeah, and I think that I mean, hey, if you're ha- if you have a kid because you do believe abortions this horrible thing but you can't afford to have that kid and you need welfare of course i don't want your fucking kid to starve to death i don't understand why abortion is stigmatized as this bad thing this horrible thing because well think about it let's be honest for a second it's not that hard to think about why they see it as you're killing babies and I see it. I don't see it as a baby. It's okay. That's fine. That's fine. A number but, of cells. But when when you say, but when you say, I don't understand why they don't believe in abortion. That's why they believe you're killing babies. They don't care when you say cells. Mm-hmm. They don't. They don't give a shit. Like you might explain to them, hey, within the four, first four weeks, this is what is actually going on. They don't care. They just think you're baby killing. So that's why. Right. I think that people have the right to do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. If a woman, you know, I personally believe a woman, if a woman wants to or a couple wants to have an abortion, they can do it. They can do it. It's fine. It's up to them. They it's don't it's, wanna, all, it's they part don't of their freedom, it, right? It's fine, too. They want to keep the child. It, you know what's also strange too. is that, you know, people who are anti-abortion are always advocating for freedoms as well. Like, they want to protect their freedom, like their freedom of speech, their freedom to own a gun. Yeah. And I love, hey, I love freedom, you know. You know, I might have a contradictory opinion here where I'm like, I think people should be able to own guns to protect themselves. And, you know, I lean left. It's, I know it's a crazy opinion, but like, I believe in freedoms too. But that freedom to me also means don't make abortion illegal. Women should have the freedom to do whatever they want with their bodies. If someone said, hey, from now on, after you have two kids, you have to have a vasectomy. Get the fuck out of here. You're not fucking touching my ball sack. Like, you know, like... Whenever someone tries to take a freedom away, I don't care what reason, it immediately becomes a different conversation. Mm-hmm. And it's just so weird that the same people that advocate for all these freedoms also are saying you can't have the freedom of making this choice on your body if you're a woman. Right. But here's, an, here's the devil advocates, and I don't know how you feel about this. They would say, well, you're destroying that baby's freedom to be born or something like that. They see that baby as an individual. Right, right, like of a, course, uh, with like rights. With rights and everything. So, Well, the thing is... You don't, right? I don't. Okay. Because if you were to remove the embryo at four weeks, would it survive on its own? No. It needs a host. It so needs a you mother. think... So this is interesting. Okay. I've never really thought deeply about this. You believe that... In order for it to be considered an individual, and it's the, it needs to at least breathe on its own, and when provided food, eat that food and be able. So you, there's almost like a it needs to be independent. Yeah, and, as, and to a certain extent. To a certain extent, it needs to be independent. Okay. If you remove if you remove it, a four week embryo, it's not going to live. You're saying right. it's like there there is a dependence on your body. Yeah, exactly. So you think as long as it's dependent on your body, you can abort it. Yes. So here's the thing. Um, I think the earliest premature baby that can survive is probably six, seven months, and they're unhealthy because obviously they 
Right. They didn't fully develop, but do you think that if you have an abortion after, say, seven months, you've killed a baby and that you've done something morally wrong? Yeah, after seven months, I mean, it's a because you think it's starting to become uh, child. It's starting to become independent. It breathes. Yeah, so you're saying it's starting to become independent. So after that, it's like, wait a minute. It probably this is getting really close to being a full human being independent of you. Thinks at that stage already. It dreams. Okay, so that's it. That's an interesting. Co- I don't know why more people don't don't feel that way. They, I'm sure there's. Here's the thing, though. I think this is always in the eye of the beholder. What is independence? So some some people might say, "Oh, they're independent," at this stage, and some other people might say, "No, it's later or earlier." So there's always going to be debate on when when is this baby actually independent? Because some people might say that baby's not independent until it's out of my body. Yeah, sure. Some people could say that. But I wouldn't want you to abort a nine month baby. But if someone, you know, what I'm saying like that, there is something inside of me that says don't abort. A nine-month baby. Don't abort an eight-month baby. Don't abort a seven-month baby. But why? Why is that in my mind? I don't know. I think maybe because it's like it literally looks like it's about to be born. You know. I personally would not <clears throat> abort a child at eight, nine months. I think it's crazy, right? Like to but abort a child that late. Before that, I think I would. Okay, so there. I mean, we haven't fully thought this out, but there is a point where you're like, okay, you can't abort anymore. There is that point for you, right? Yeah. Okay. No, I think it's interesting to talk about it because there's a lot of people who they're just so black and white about the entire thing. It's not a black and white con. Like it's not. It's a- not. I think it's something that needs to be discussed, and a lot of people just close their minds off to it and say no. Abortion is bad. Abortion's bad. Abortion. Yeah. You know. And you know what? A lot of people don't even have a reason to say why abortion. They'll just say, "Oh." You know, it's just, my church yeah, my, thinks abortion well, is bad. My they, parents they, think abortion is bad. But here's the thing. There is value in that. I think we shouldn't say there's no reason. I think we should say that there is a culture that they believe to be a – I don't want to say pure culture. I want to see that culture. They grew up in that culture. And they believe that culture to be having a positive effect on their lives and to be a part of who they are or why they are what they are. So that culture also says abortions are bad. And so they go, well, I like who I am. Uh, my culture helped make me this way. But my culture also says abortions are bad. So like, I understand why someone might grow up in a specific culture and believe abortions are bad. And they think it's black and white. I understand why. But what I don't understand is why when you have a conversation with someone, you're so in in deep with your culture that you're unable to see someone else's perspective. That's the weird part where it's like, you're so deep in your own culture and you love your culture, whatever it is, religion, uh, whatever. I don't care what it is. It can be anything, but you, you put so much perceived value on that, that you're like, I'm not listening to anyone. I don't care what they say. Yeah. And that, that they close themselves up in that. I understand why, but it always makes me feel bad. It's like, fuck, no matter what I say, you, this isn't – none of it's going to penetrate you. None of it's going to make you think when you go home because when you go home, you're back in that culture, that, that culture that reinforces abortions are bad or gay people shouldn't be able to uh, get married or some r- random shit where you're like, what the fuck? Why is this even a – why are we talking about this? This should just be so common sense. Right. But it's not for everyone because I think for some people, they grow up in a specific way 
and they want to continue that cycle. They want they believe that their success was partially based on the, the way they grew up. And so they perpetuate that, right? There's a lot of successful people that are conservative. Yes. And they want to perpetuate that, right? Because they feel it, it helped them get successful. Gains. I just think there's a group of massive people that say, we we, we believe this. They don't know. They have a reason for it. Well, they, they don't, don't have think a about reason it. to hate for it. Yeah, they don't think about it. And, they, and they they'll just, just yeah. Well, that's the thing. Again, it stems from their culture. It's not that they don't have a reason. They have plenty of reasons, but the reasons might have not come from their own head. What the reasons might come well, from the say. the reason people, might come from the priest that they they talk to every Saturday. Right, that's what I'm trying to say. People don't think for themselves. Exactly. Yeah, I think people would rather hear someone else talk, and they'll listen to them and go, "Huh, that opinion sounds good," and then they'll just regurgitate that. But when asked to think about it, they're conflicted. And instead of facing that confliction, they go, no, 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 no. I made up a word right there. Confliction. 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 Whatever. The point is, when they're asked to think about it, they rather run away from it. And where do they run? To their safe space. Their safe space is their culture. What They're priests on every Saturday or Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. So they run back to that. And I can't blame them for that either. But it's just so crazy that a lot of our society, not just one side of it, a lot of our society doesn't want to think for itself. They want, they want solutions to be provided for them. They don't want. It's weird, but like we're not raised with the idea of question the world, right? Question the people in your life, question everything. And I face this all the time, and I don't understand it. Why do we blindly sometimes believe in things, and sometimes not blindly, but we we put so much weight. On people. Right. I mean, people at the end... Humans are humans. I don't care how confident they are, how much swagger they got. At the end of the day, humans are human. Like, they're no different from you or me in terms of physically... Like, they have a brain, they have arms, they have legs, they have feet. Their mind might work a little bit differently than yours, but they still have a brain just like you. And so, I think at the end of the day, it's... Why do we... Why are we so obsessed with worshipping... I think that's we worship people. We and I'm not talking about religion. Like yeah, we yeah, we worship parents, some people worship elders. gods, people w- worship elders, people worship their parents, people worship family members. I mean, in, it's weird, but in America, we worship the almost like uh, there's a group, there's always a group of people that worship the president, or worship the the people in power in government. I mean, you know, it's it's a. It is, all I'm trying to say is, from my personal point of view, I don't understand worship. Growing up, I was taught to worship, but I never understood. Like, it was just in me. Of I course. questioned yeah. worshiping. Yes, I was taught to worship too, but I questioned it. You know, because, yes, I have a family. Yes, my family is religious. Maybe they follow a certain religion. But I, as a person, make my own choices. I choose whether I want to follow a religion. I choose. I have my own choices. And you know, this following this concept, I don't think it has to be political. I think we all do it a little bit, but there is this weird thing where we're, it's almost like we're scared to make our own opinions. I mean, people are probably scared to be judged because of their opinions. Yeah, it's it's weird, but it's like, first we look, it's very interesting. 
when you when you're forming an opinion, it almost seems like first we look for someone else with opinions, and we go, "Oh, do we like that opinion? They said this. They said this. They said that. Oh, but this person over here said this." And it's almost like we're giving a list of opinions, and we choose which opinions we like. But instead of just going, "Wait a minute, stop, 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 stop listening to people. What do you think? Just turn off. For sure, just turn everything off." And for a second, just go in this quietness, you know, and there's no sounds. What is my brain rattling? What, what do I, what am I thinking? And not, I don't think people do that. I think people are obsessed with worshiping shit. Uh, people go online. Or people really people go, value other people's opinion. People yeah. really value what other people think yeah. of them. And it, it almost stems from like growing up again. You grow up with a mom and a dad and maybe siblings and you're taught to worship. You're supposed to worship your mom and dad. You're supposed to worship maybe on the weekends your priest or whatever. We're we're like entrained to worship. And so that I think that's why people are like obsessed with other people's opinions. Like, oh, what do you feel or think about this? Oh, you think this way? Ugh, I don't like you. Oh, you think this way? Oh, I like you. You think the same way as me. But it's like, where did where'd your opinion come from to begin with? And it could come from culture. It can come from religion. But at the end of the day, it's weird that we don't just realize, hey, like, why don't we try and be more mindful? Just what do we think? Yeah, why exactly. do we and why be do we think it? Of yourself. I think at the end of the day, what do you think and ask yourself, why do I think that shit? Right. Where did that where did that opinion come from? And if it came from someone else, maybe ask yourself, is there an opinion I can form just by myself? Just yeah, just it's, me? It's okay to have your own opinion, to have your own thoughts. Okay. Did you want to talk about anything else? Because a lot of this was, especially the last topic, it was more like conceptual. Do you want to say anything else about that topic? Not today. Not today. How about work stress or life balance? What can we say about work stress? Almost like concluding statements of all this. Work hard, but also balance your life with things that you like to do, activities, hanging out with friends doing stuff that you enjoy i guess the one thing i would i want to ask you and it's a question i have all the time how does someone know if what they're doing right now is wrong like it's just this is the you shouldn't be doing this this is not good for you like for you i think i I just let me just end the question with for you i see this four-year endeavor and the reasons were there since day one, almost. But you had a goal, and you wanted to fight for that, right? I'm guessing what I'm saying is, if you could go back and tell yourself in those four years, just leave now. Don't spend all four years there. How would you convince that person? How would you say, how would you give give them that secret like message and say, like, look, you're going to do this for four years and you're not going to, you're going to leave. Well, but don't say that, right? What are the magic words you tell yourself? Before explain what you mean. So I was in the graduate program, uh, PhD yeah, but like, graduate program for four years when, it, when I decided to just yeah, graduate yeah, yeah. with a master's. But when in those four years, those reasons to leave never changed. But after four years, you finally had a breaking point. Right. I had a, right. So a realization. I guess, yeah. So I'm saying, how do we speed that up? How do we get people to realize it quicker? 
And so if you could go back to your previous self and make that yourself realize quicker, what do you think you'd tell that person to, so they realize it quicker? Because there's a lot of people in the world that hear a story like this and they go, fuck, how, should I quit? How do I know if I should quit? Like, how right. do you know, right? right. Um, well, I'm happy that I can't go back and tell myself this. <laughs> because the experiences that I went through or the things that I learned, I know are resourceful oh, for what I'm doing next or will be resourceful for the future. I learned a lesson in that you have to be careful who you work for. You know, do you feel comfortable with the people you work with? Do you feel comfortable with your boss? And if you don't, then change it. Why stay and be miserable? That was my lesson. Why stay and be miserable? So you don't want to go back and change that. You think it was valuable. Yeah, I would not go back and change that. That's interesting. It was a, it was a very hard four years, so, very difficult four years, where sometimes I came home at night and I was crying. Uh, or, you know, I just was sad. No, I was sure, depressed. No. Um, and like I said, if anyone in your position will probably be feeling the same exact way. Right. And from that, I realized, from my experience, from those four years, I realized that why why... Why struggle? You know, why be in a miserable position? Why not, you know, leave and spend more time with, with family, with friends? Why not cherish the things that are in your life that you know won't be there forever? Yeah. So I. But think I still think it's really cool that you said, I wouldn't go back. I think that's really. Because what that essentially says is look, if you're out there suffering, this suffering is teaching you something about yourself. One day you might quit. Maybe one day you won't. But either way, the experiences you're going day through day are valuable. You might not see the value right now, but you'll see it later. And you'll be able to learn things. You'll take lessons from the daily sufferings you had. And I think there's people, I would say, that feel the same way. Where they're like, you know, I went through all that shit. I hated it. I quit. But holy shit, now I know. Yeah. Now I have the answers. Now I can move forward. At least for this, I have no regrets. Um, I think leaving grad school was the best thing I did for myself. The best thing for my happiness, for my self-being. So I think, and I think the experiences that I learned are also very important. Cool. That's a great place to end, I think. I think you just summed it up really well. I think that was really cool. How was, your, how was this therapy session? It was great. Therapy session was fantastic. Awesome. Good. I hope so. Let's go eat some yogurts. Yogurt? <sighs> <Did> <sighs> it?